Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, aka Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I, I wanted to talk about something on today's podcast that happened on the radio show today. It's been with me since it happened, and I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about it and uh, give you a little bit of an explanation. Not that it necessarily needs one, but so that you understand some of the things that I'm thinking when it comes to programming the show. So AEW is a wrestling organization that started a little while ago, run by Cody Rhodes, who is Dusty Rhodes' son and Dustin Rhodes' brother. And they had this uh, really great match to kind of kick things off earlier in the year. And I have been... For some of you who do know, like I don't know, I used to do a wrestling show with Jonathan Hood on Monday nights, and it was a lot of fun. It was really the first time that I was given a show to do at the score. And this is when I first started, you know, I would say, what were we, like 2000, like 99, 2000, 2001. Jonathan and I would do that show every night after Monday Night Raw and after Nitro, and we had a lot of fun. And we got to do some really cool stuff. We got to call matches, which was incredible. Like we did some of the local shows and were able to call matches. And it was a lot of fun. I had a great time doing it. I wouldn't change it for anything. I, after that, it wasn't like it was a means to an end. Like I wasn't doing the wrestling show to go do other stuff. I genuinely had affection for wrestling. And I still do. In most cases, but you know, Jonathan moved on. I moved on. He still does a lot of wrestling and his under the hood podcast will uh, oftentimes have a lot of wrestlers on. Since then, I've done a ton of stuff. I've been the Bears beat reporter. I've covered Super Bowl. I've been doing the nighttime show, which I, I love doing and now doing this show on the score. Here's my thing. One of my philosophies is that if something or someone is interesting, even if you don't necessarily dig on it, if it's not necessarily your thing, I think if I do my job as an interviewer, then you might be able to enjoy it, even if it's not your thing. So when AEW reached out to me a couple weeks ago, they really reached out to Tony, reached out to me through Tony and said, Hey, we, they offered me a couple of their wrestlers. And my counter was, no, I don't want to talk to any of them except for Cody Rhodes. And the reason that I wanted to talk with him is after seeing him cut his promos, after seeing him do some interviews about AEW and kind of where he wants to take wrestling as a whole, I said, that's a guy who I think is interesting. That's a guy who I think breaks the fourth wall very well. And for the person who doesn't even necessarily care about wrestling, they can get something out of the interview. And I I said, I was like, I don't really want to talk to anyone. I don't want to talk about like moonsaults or anything like that. Like, I think that what AEW is trying to do in challenging the WWE 
is really interesting. And I think what Cody Rhodes is trying to do in pushing the genre forward is interesting. He seems like a type of guy that that the audience can gravitate towards, even if they don't dig on wrestling. So we got it together and we got the the interview done and I was really excited. We, we Cody and I actually talked on Monday. Occasionally I do a little radio magic and and make things sound like they're live. Um, but we did the interview on Monday and I walked away from that interview being like, yo, this was even better than I expected it to be. And I expected it to be really good. So I told Tony, this is what we're going to do. And we, we had announced that throughout on Twitter to let people who are wrestling fans know that I was going to do that at one o'clock on, on Tuesday. And I know that there's, there was going to be a backlash on it. Like I could have done it on Monday, but I, I knew not to do it on Monday. Monday during bear season to me is reserved for the bears. There really isn't anything else that you should be talking about unless, you know, the Cubs and Sox are in the world series, you know, midway through the season. So I know that Mondays are, are kind of meant for what's going on w with the bears. So Tuesday was a day this week in particular, where the week's kind of strange because the bears are playing on Thursday and, as we're trying to program the show, like it was one of those shows today where I said to Tony is like, I wish we had three hours today instead of two hours today or four hours. Even it, it, I don't know if it would have been enough time for all the things that we had prepared. Like we have a lot of different sound bites and different stories that we can kind of jump off on and, and do the show. But I knew that I wanted to play the Cody Rhodes. And I knew what to expect, too. I knew that there were going to be people that were going to reflexively say, well, why are you doing this? This is ridiculous. This is sports radio, not about a male soap opera. <sighs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty aware of, of what it is I do for a living. And I'm... I consider myself a pretty good programmer of shows from the time that I was a producer to the time that I was a host. I don't ask you to take a leap unless, unless I feel like the leap is worth it. Like I feel very strongly about having the trust of you, the listener, when it comes to stuff like this, I'm not putting Cody Rhodes on because I happen to like wrestling or it's probably more accurate to say I used to really like wrestling. I don't anymore for the most part, but I'm intrigued by him. And I think when there are people that pique your interest, that there should be room to explore that. And that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to explore that. And I was rewarded because he was an incredible interview. And it was so fun to kind of talk with him. And what I thought would be interesting to the, to the non-wrestling fan listener, I thought it would be interesting to let you hear about everything that goes into the business side of that business. How has it become a multi-billion dollar sport? How, how is it that there were people who thought for years and years that the stuff that was happening wasn't scripted? 
Um, I don't, I'm not one of those people that doesn't say it's not real. Cause if you've ever been to a match or s- talked to a wrestler, you know, that the stuff that they do while it is staged and choreographed and scripted, the mat landing on the mat hurts going into the ropes hurts flying off the top of a ladder hurts flying off the, the, the top, turnbuckle hurts like all of that stuff hurts if and if it's not done correctly it can be super dangerous i admire people who go out and perform like that but having someone who could speak intelligently about the business of wrestling i thought was cool so there i knew that there were going to be the people that were going to immediately say this is not for me and i'm i'm a firm believer in you don't have to. I want you to listen to all two hours of my show, but you don't have to. Like you should never. You should be. You shouldn't listen to something that makes you unhappy. And I'm okay if you push the button and go listen to the drive or whatever for a couple of minutes, and then come back and see what else I'm doing. Or if it's one of those days where you're like, oh, you know, Lawrence is on one. I'm not interested in that. I'm gonna go listen to something else. Like I'm okay with that. But my goal is for the person that at least give it an opportunity is what I always say. The I like the person who's skeptical about my decision and then is like, you know what? I don't even like wrestling and I really enjoy the Cody Rhodes interview. And there were a bunch of people that said that via the text screen. I mean, that's my basic line of communication with listeners during the show. And my thing is, like, you don't even have to announce it to me. Like, if, if you want to bounce, just bounce on the show and then come back. Come back in the next segment. You're smart enough to figure out the times that we usually break and what, when the segments are. I mean, it, does, it takes a, a few days to figure out the pattern of the show and, and how, um, how we're doing what we're doing and how it can fit into your day. But I really appreciate the people who, who were like, man, I wasn't expecting it to be that and then it turned out to be a fun interview or an informative one so there's a little bit of fan service that goes on where i knew that the people who liked aew and knew anything about cody rhodes would enjoy the interview but i'm also looking to bring that person in that might not even care about wrestling but thinks that that guy is intriguing because he is and his what he's trying to accomplish i think is really intriguing so I just wanted to to let you know that I I take the role of doing the show very seriously, almost too seriously sometimes. And we have fun on the show, and I'm a big proponent of us having fun on the show. But understand that almost nothing, I'm not going to say it never happens, but almost nothing happens on the show without us thinking long and hard about the choices that we're making and there are choices that we make with each and Tony and I were having a discussion today where we were talking about the interview with Rick Buecher and I was saying you know every minute that we're not every minute that we're talking bulls right now is time that we're not talking about the bears and particularly today because I knew I was going to take a risk with the Cody Rhodes thing I wasn't sure if it made sense to talk with Rick Buecher. It turned out to be a really cool interview and we got some cool stuff out of it. 
but know that we're putting a lot of thought into everything, including stuff that you might not like. We're, we're putting thought into what type of guests we put on, how long we put those guests on, why we put them on, all of those things. So I just wanted to like give you a little bit of a window into what goes into making decisions like that. It's not willy-nilly. We don't just take guests to take them. Um, those, those are things that I'm not down with and Tony and I have talked about. He's not down with it either. We don't roll that way. We're not doing it to do it. We're doing it for a specific reason. And the reason is to, to get you to listen. And sometimes that means that we're going to do a deep dive on what the Bears offense looks like. And we're going to talk a little bit about a power run game and using play action off of a power run game. And sometimes we're going to talk about screen roll. Sometimes we're going to talk about catchers framing in baseball. And sometimes we're going to talk about the business of wrestling. So for those of you that get it, I appreciate it. For those of you who don't, I want you to understand what we do every day and understand that every day without fail there is a plan in place for what the show is going to be and my goal is for you to trust that if I bring someone to you if I put someone on the air if I bring them to you I'm doing it for a legitimate reason so that's it that's all I wanted to say I also just wanted a place where I could put the the interview the, the Cody Rhodes interview, because I really enjoyed it. So for those of you who missed it and you missed it on air and you didn't listen to the show podcast, I'm going to put it in here, too, so you can you can check it out. I, I enjoy talking with him. And where things start off is since their show is Wednesday night at the Sears Center, I wanted to talk with him about what this city and what the Sears Center has meant to AEW. Well, I mean... Sears Center was the, the people who took the call. So when we decided that we were going to do all in and we were going to do it outside the confines of a major company, um, we wanted to do everything ourselves. And, and we did get a lot of help uh, from Ring of Honor, which was great. But in, especially in the beginning, we wanted to do this all ourselves. And part of that was calling these buildings. And you'd be surprised that or maybe you wouldn't, that most buildings aren't going to take a call from one of three wrestlers uh, who have no clue about insurance or down payment or scaling um, or site surveys, et cetera, et cetera. And they were the first that was kind of more generous and uh, gracious with their time. And they were skeptical of everything we were going to do, but they were open to it. And then when it sold out in, you know, 29 minutes, uh, we all became kind of a family. I, I know a lot of the people who work uh, in that building, and they, they know how we are. To be able to see them again when we did All Out, it was really special and kind of a, a vindicating and validating moment. So to be going back, it's 100% where AEW started. If you ask anyone else who tells you something else, they're they're lying. The AEW doesn't exist without All In, and All In doesn't exist without the Sears Center. For you to be able to find a partnership at that juncture when you're trying to put this out there and put it together, how important was that for, for you in your own psyche where, where you are making these phone calls and you're getting turned down and you're like, there's a lot to this business that we still have to figure out, but we just need a, someone to reach their hand out 
and it turns out to be the Chicagoland area and the Sears Center. Yeah, I mean, Chicago is – I guess somebody asked me the other day, one of the – I got a text from one of our rosters saying, what's the best city to wrestle in, you know? And what they meant was crowd-wise, you know, what's the best city to wrestle in crowd-wise? And there's no one in the wrestling business, if they rattle off three to five cities, who isn't going to include Chicagoland, and that includes the Chicagoland area as well. We're not naive. I know that it's Hoffman Estates. I know Schomburg, you know, but um, it's it still brings in that Chicagoland crowd. And, and to me, they've they've been such a great crowd for so many shows that have been presented there, and they uh, they're they're number one, you know, uh, in in my book in terms of you have top five cities to to compete in front of. And I think it's because I appreciate a uh, transparent audience. I appreciate an audience that will not just accept junk or filler. You've got to, you've got to give them the, the good and killer stuff. And, and that's the, you know, that they just bring your, they bring your game up. Cody, I think that I'm one of the the fans that at, at least on the older end of the demo, the AEW is trying to connect with. I'm someone who grew up watching your dad. I'm someone who grew up watching Ric Flair. I'm someone who grew up during the entire Attitude Era of the WWE, and I found myself not wanting to watch any of that um, over the last five to ten years. I used to literally do a wrestling show on the score in Chicago every week after you know, Raw and Nitro would go off the air. And now I'm not interested at all. And it was your promo, your brother's promo that that you did for for all or nothing that I went, oh my God, like this is this is what I was looking for. And your your idea of transparency of audience, like transparency of company, I didn't know that that's what I was looking for. And I, I kind of found it. I'm not all the way in or all the way back, but I imagine that there are a ton of wrestling fans like me that we're looking for something that was different than what we were being spoon-fed every week. Yeah, I, I mean, we said that there was an audience, and we didn't just pull it out of the thin air. Uh, myself and the Young Bucks and Hangman Page, really all of the, the Bullet Club and the Elite, uh, at the time we were working, and we were. It, this was two straight years before AEW became a thing, of going to really small uh, markets, um, not small markets, small buildings in the big markets, and seeing uh, what the fandom really liked. And it was a total, like, I'm trying to think, sample group of of us getting the confidence to say, dude, the, there is a huge market for wrestling. Don't let people tell you that that wrestling is, is not popular anymore, or that it's, it's this niche market. It is not, because millions of people, turned away around the 2001 point in time. And I'm not knocking anybody, but the formula for all of the wrestling is what those people who have stayed watching wrestling have been asking for, for the last, you know, 18 years. It's, it's, that's the formula. If any, anybody asks like, what are you guys doing? That's so different. We're, 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 we're fans ourselves and we're, and we're listening and we're able to put those things and implement those, those practices into into what AEW has become. 
AEW Dynamite is going to be at the Sears Center coming up on Wednesday. If you want tickets, AEWTix.com is where you can check it out. If you can't make it out there, it'll be on TNT. You have AEW Dynamite on, on Wednesdays on TNT and AEW Dark on Tuesdays. That usually starts at 6 o'clock. How difficult is it for you to stay on top of what the company is doing uh, stay on top of what your wife is doing in, in the company as well, and stay on top of how you perform in the ring. Well, I don't really, I guess I don't think of it as difficult as much as I think of it as, as full time. Um, I work AEW seven days a week, and anybody who collects a check from AEW who doesn't is already on my list of people I'm not too. I'm not too keen on, and there's there's very few, if if perhaps none, of those people, um, because that that's what you have to do. It's it's a full time gig, and it's one that I saw growing up because my dad was part of management in terms of you know executive producer and a booker for Jim Crockett. But then even more so when I was alive, what he did at WCW, I was able to see the balance as well. And I learned the balance too from somebody like Triple H who, you know, around the time that I broke into WWE was in the middle of that management, even though we didn't know he was management, meets uh, performer, meets competitor. And to me, that's just what makes it full time. I love it. I love doing the mental math on knowing, okay, I want to produce this segment in segment one, but I need to be ready to go by segment seven. I want to be in the go position chair before the first dark. I want to talk to this talent before they go out there and give them words of encouragement. I want to make sure I tell this talent that thing they did that they should never do again. I mean, all that stuff. I love it. That's the job. That's the job. And I got the greatest education having grown up in the family. I got that wouldn't have been put to use unless this job had presented itself. And you seem to be balancing it really, really well. And and I'm, I'm I look at your competitors, whether it's it's Rio or, or anyone else that that they seem to be having fun. It doesn't it doesn't seem like a chore. And I, I'm not trying to just kill the WWE. I but I I am a jilted fan uh, of that brand, and it just seemed like at times that the performers themselves weren't having as much fun and couldn't share as much of who they were from a personality standpoint. And I, and I feel like I'm seeing that with your product. Oh, there's, there's no one who, who works for us, uh, who isn't going out there and having a good time or who isn't excited. I can tell you a really good indicator on how excited the, uh, the wrestlers are to be part of AEW. We've got a call time, just like any other company. This is when you're supposed to be there. That call time doesn't matter because everyone gets there early. And the only reason they get there early it's because they want to be at work. They want to see their peers. They, they, want, to, they want to gossip with their, their locker room friends. They're now building a team locker room that's you know, only been in place the last two months. They want to talk about what they're going to do in the ring. Another thing that's really impressive, they want to talk to the production guys. They want to talk to Keith Mitchell and Tim Walbert and his cameraman and say, hey, I might do this tonight. I might do that. It's really the environment is infectious. If you come to the show as a fan, we already know the environment's infectious because our audience is much different from any other audience. But when you come as a competitor and as a, you know, performer, it's also an infectious environment. So it's really special. Because this is your vision, how much do you worry about it becoming perverted? How much do I worry about it? What? The vision becoming perverted and the business maybe being more important than the, the people that are in and out of the ring. Well, We've got great, you know, business people like 
Chris Arrington and Tony Khan, for example, the owner and founder, they're really great business minds who stand around and, and flank us and help guide us. But I don't think we've made one decision yet that's been like, ooh, we could lose a sponsor here or ooh, you know, that, that may that may be a slight dip in the minute by minutes. We really do want to present a disciplined, non-reactionary product. I grew up in the era of reactionary product, and the company that was most reactionary doesn't exist anymore. So we, we want to keep it disciplined. We want to, we want to, and we're going long form. We know when our next pay-per-view is. I wish I could announce the next pay-per-view right here and now, but I know what it is. I know what we're working backwards from. So that makes for, for fun, competitive, episodic television that you want to see what they're going to do next week, or at least I think it does. How important was it to you personally to try and make the, the, the wrestling game more inclusive? And were you worried that even in using a word like inclusive, that there were going to be people that would be put off by it? I guess I'm not real worried about anyone who's turned off by the word because that's, I mean, if you're so conservative that you think everything is, is like a social justice and a, and a facade and not real. That's that's a that's such a terrible way to live. Whereas we're very honest with the inclusivity. The inclusivity trickles down from the locker room and the roster. It trickles down all the way to the fan base. Wrestling really is for everybody. And here's the thing: old school wrestling used to be for everyone, and it wasn't something that you would think because there was so much racism and and like segregated storylines that they kind of paint old school wrestling in a way that you look back and you think like, Oh, well they did this, they did this. And they don't look at the fact that wrestling broke the color barrier before baseball did. Uh, wrestling always uh, had an open mind and yeah, they, they use some of these trope and gimmick storylines, which would hurt that old school feel. But to me, wrestling's always been, about bringing everybody in and being for everybody. And I think AEW's done a great job of, of making that so. I mean, we just added the disclaimer that plays before the show where it talks about our code of conduct. It was something that the fans reached out they wanted because fans also, of all walks of life, want to feel safe in, in the AEW environment. And that wasn't something that was hard to do. It was very easy because we very much mean, mean it when we say it's for everybody. What has adding Chris Jericho to the company done for the product? I mean, there's two big, the two biggest stars in AEW, and this is what I tell everybody. And I, I take myself out of this equation because I, my ego can't be a thing in the, in the boardroom. It can't exist. So the two biggest stars in AEW are simple. It's Chris Jericho, and it's the fan base. Because the fan base is the ones who gave us the confidence to say they were revolution. As far as Chris Jericho is concerned, this is the same guy that everyone in my generation knows beat Steve Austin and beat The Rock on the same night. This is the same guy who's continued to reinvent himself, who has an argument for being one of the greatest of all time because of his ability to endure and last. And to have his endorsement from a company standpoint is, is, is massive. Um, in the beginning, I could admit that, that we didn't need Chris Jericho to get started, but to continue and to go, Chris Jericho, we did need. And he always asked for a thank you, and I can tell him right now, hey, thank you. We, 
we appreciate it. But the Chris Jericho we have is the best Chris Jericho ever. He's so invested in what he's doing. He's so interested in the in the talent. Uh, he's not a, a grizzled old vet. He's not there just collecting a check. He's very invested in this whole situation that we found ourselves in on Wednesday nights. And He's, he's invaluable to this process. Your promo that you did before you guys had your match, I, I thought it was, again, it was incredible. I think that you, you do an incredible job with the microphone. But I was really, I loved how people reacted to it and seeing even a guy like The Rock be like, hey, this guy's legit. Like, this is what it should be. When you get that type of validation from people who aren't even in the company, what does that say about what you guys are doing? Well, I think that's one of those things as far as validation that you can't take it for granted when somebody like The Rock or Darius Rucker or ESPN's uh, Roflo reaches out and you have this, you've reached this whole other upper echelon of audience. You can't take it for granted. You have to ask yourself, what did I do here? Because I want to be able to do it again. Um, but it also speaks to the fact that the wrestling world isn't as divided as, as we'd like to think. You know, Wednesday nights have become what they've become with two companies standing opposed to one another. But the locker rooms of both companies know each other very well. And if anything, AEW has helped raise the quality of life for the wrestler. And that's 100% proven by the fact that WWE is now handing out massive deals to guys they weren't considering giving massive deals to hold them you know, hold them there. So, so we're we're doing everything I can for for the wrestling fan and the wrestler themselves. It's not just about our specific brand, as much as it's about the wrestler taking back wrestling. And when The Rock reaches out and touches something like that, that's a good indicator of that. That we're still all brothers and sisters, uh, the ones who put on our tights and lace up our boots. When you're in the ring, when you're in the Sears Center. And you hear the the crowd chanting AE Dub. What's that moment like? I mean, when the crowd chants anything, I'm I'm happy. <laughs> um, you know, I that you say that, and then you hear a chant you don't want to hear. But for <laughs> me, for me, the whole job is about keeping them the loudest, the longest, and that the, our crowds are very active. And I know that more than me, the people at Warner Media. And TNT, when they hear that chance, uh, it really it really matters to them um, because we're only two months in, and to be able to have those those chants and to be able to to have this this type of run is something you really got to pinch yourself about and, and then move on, you know, because it's really just just dreamlike the state that we're in as a, as a wrestling company, and you know that's always a very validating as someone who's behind the scenes of the company and as part of management that means a lot so what can people expect for wednesday night when when you guys descend on hoffman estates yet again well wednesday's loaded um it's, it's loaded not only do you have uh, me returning to the ring uh for the first time and my first match on dynamite since the premiere episode but you also have hangman page versus mjf for the dynamite diamond you have ddp there to present it you have Kenny Omega versus Pac in a re- in a rematch, um, and then you're going to have Chris Jericho, uh, and we're going to have an actual AEW World Title defense on television against Scorpio Sky, and and not only that, but Chris Jericho's celebration. Um, 
I can't pronounce it because it's like the Thanksgiving, thank you, La Champion, something, something celebration. I helped make the graphic for it, but I know Chris has big plans for that. And the Inner Circle does as well. So it's a completely loaded show um, with a few surprises in there as well, as you will always see and do uh, in Chicago. So we're, we're, we're going for it this Wednesday. If you want to get tickets, AEWtickets.com. If you want to just watch, you can watch on TNT Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Cody, uh, thank you very much for your time. I know you're super busy, so I appreciate you carving out time for Chicago. Uh, it means a lot to me to, to be able to talk with you because I, I'm really impressed with what you've done. And, and I wish for you continued success and, and keep keep tr- exploring the greatness of, of wrestling and trying to do it in a fun and and professional way. Oh, no, thank you very much, man. Anytime.